Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 65 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411mania.com website. Please make sure to subscribe to the show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. A slight change in plans tonight. Uh, Jeremy was going to be joining me. He was live at the show, but due to conflicts in recording schedule, uh, we are going alternate route tonight. So, welcoming back tonight, Steve Cook is on the show. Steve, how are you, my friend? Oh, hey, Larry. Nice to see you. And uh, it looked like Jeremy Meltzer himself had a pretty good time at the show this evening, from what I could tell. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I mean, live shows normally are really good, so, I mean... Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I think as we both kind of talked about off the air, I think we both thought it came off well on television. Very much so. Yeah, another hot crowd as definitely the one thing AEW has going for them every week. They're drawing good crowds. They're drawing lively crowds that are into the show, and just you know when you have those lively crowds like that, man, it's just it, it's so glaring how it can make everything better. And then you have you know various shows where you see like. You know, it'll be a fine show or a good match, but then the crowd is absolutely dead, and all you can think in the back of your mind is like, you know, in front of a hot crowd, this is probably a great match, but for whatever reason, it, not connecting. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just like that. Sometimes the product doesn't connect with people. You'll see, you'll see good matches go out there and not do well, but then, especially on Raw, you see this happen a lot. You'll see it's it just you'll have some good stuff on there. But it's just kind of surrounded by like a, a slog of stuff that just kind of wears people down. Yeah, fucking three hours, dude. Hard to fill. Three hours plus dark matches plus whatever kind of other bullshit they want to throw on there too. Are you are you are you mocking the illustrious main event taping before the show? Um, I haven't watched the main event since. Oh, good God, back. <laughs> Oh, I saw the first. I think I saw the first one they on the network of Daniel Bryan versus Kane. That's why I remember about that. That was the last time I watched main event. Fair enough. I mean, you're not missing much. Don't worry about it. But I hear Dana Brooks having a hell of a run on there. Well, her and Sarah Logan had a uh, eight match feud, including a match where they <laughs> inexplicably tagged together one week, which was funny. So it's the same kind of booking they have on uh, on Raw then, where you face each other 15 times. Exactly. So, or, or for that matter, on it, they do it on NXT too. Let's be honest. Yeah, but uh, that feud is not over between Sarah Logan and Dana Brooke. Their series ended at four oh. piece, but since they're on different brands now, oh, for the four, we're gonna have to wait, Steve. That sounds like an interbrand uh, Survivor Series style match to me, Larry. That's right, a little main event special on uh, Survivor Series. May throw in a tiny R or something, make it a triple thread. Why not? So, so before we begin, without getting too deep into it, uh, what are your uh, just kind of initial thoughts and uh, various excitement levels possibly for NXT being part of Survivor Series now? It's uh, it, it makes sense. I mean, since they're they're telling us that NXT is now officially a top brand, you got the three top brands. You got Raw, SmackDown, NXT. It kind of has to be that way. And especially, we all know, because all we talk about anymore is ratings and demos and things like that. And everybody knows that NXT's been lagging behind uh, AEW Dynamite. So they got to do something to pull that up. 
And uh, if you're looking at it from Vince McMahon's perspective, uh, well, I have two top brands in Raw and SmackDown. Why don't why don't I drag them onto NXT? And that should help because my other guys are tremendously popular. That's, I mean, you can see why somebody would think that. Whether that's going to work out or not remains to be seen. I guess we'll kind of find out uh, once the ratings come out tomorrow whether that's uh, good or not, or later today since we're doing this awfully late. But uh, in any event, I this. And uh, uh, we were talking about, too, the thing that kind of bugs me about Survivor Series and kind of bugs me every time they do the whole brand versus brand thing, like Raw versus SmackDown and whatever. I just don't see why people who have been on Raw or have been on SmackDown for like two weeks would be all loyal to the cause. I just don't don't really understand that. I can kind of see the NXT folks' perspective, why they would be loyal, because they've most of them have been on that show for quite a while. And. Triple H has done a pretty good job in fostering loyalty to that brand, but I just don't see it for the Raw or SmackDown guys. I mean, Brock just jumped ship uh, last week, right? We jumped ship on Friday, so. Yeah, the uh, kind of blind brand loyalty thing every year comes off a bit odd. Uh, I will say, though, that um, the uh, you know, Triple H sabotaging the plane leading to NXT running wild on SmackDown was the best episode of SmackDown in a long while. So his Triple H, he got into trouble with the, <laughs> with the Saudis. That's what happened there. I, and I'll agree with you. That was a tremendous episode of SmackDown. But then, uh, when you know it, they had a show on Monday. Uh, yeah, I mean, Raw... I'll put it this way. Raw wasn't bad. I know everybody wants to say every week that Raw is instantly bad. That's tempting. And I get it because a lot of weeks it's not really good. It is a struggle to fill that three hours. You get some good stuff in there, but for a whole package, it's generally it's okay some weeks, and then it's just there. And that's honestly, I've talked about this a ton of times with Jeremy in 2019. That's just okay to good is not acceptable all the time anymore because there's just too much out there. There's too much other stuff that people could take their time mm-hmm. to watch. And, you know, like like Impact a lot of weeks is a strong, consistent show. It's solid. It's often good. And people are like, well, that that's great. It's the most consistent show. I'm like, yeah, in many ways it is. But, again, that's not good enough, especially in an era where your profile is low. You're charging for pay-per-views. You're not making a lot of money off pay-per-views still. You need to be better than solid to good every week. You need to make people want to be invested in you. That's absolutely right. And uh, it's kind of interesting. We'll get back to uh, the, the SmackDown situation where the NXT guys came in and, uh, quite frankly, had a good show. And uh, I got to tell you, if you're, if you're a main roster member and you're kind of sitting there watching how the easy, easily they're able to replace you on that show, that. Doesn't that kind of make you wonder about your position, your lot in life? Uh, on one hand, yeah, but in another, on another hand, we're in an era where they're just they're not getting rid of people, especially with anybody with like <laughs> any sort of name. I mean, Christ, they re-signed Gender and <laughs> Mojo and the Canellises for like five hundred grand a fucking year. How about Randy Orton playing him like a fiddle too? I mean, you know, I mean, I've, and you know, I've been kind of up and down Randy Orton over the years, but God bless him for just playing them perfectly to get himself a nice little contract. Oh fuck some, yeah! Well, I, I love everybody him. going good for him. Every, all these people are like, well, he was never going to go there anyway. It's like, um, <laughs> obviously he really wasn't going to go there, but the fact no. is, 
Randy Orton is not stupid. Randy Orton understood that there was competition out there. Randy Orton dicked around on social media and played into it and got fans talking. And WWE is like, oh, well, fuck. I mean, because they look, don't tell me they don't look over there. You, you see Jericho still doing well. Moxley is just a completely different fucking dude and was the guy that everybody always wanted him to be in WWE. But he was supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. so you don't, they don't want another John Moxley on their hands. You don't no, want to let a, a Randy Orton, a Rusev, or anybody that has a name value and has popularity and is good behind them to leave and then all of a sudden have a whole new career where they're way better. Because that just speaks Indeed. poorly on you. Yeah, so Orton used it, got paid, and you know, I bet Cody and Jericho probably knew what it was up to and they're cool with Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> Like get your money, but son. It's here's right. the other thing too is like why he was never going to get there. Besides the fact that he was just playing the game to get paid, which I can totally respect. I mean, that's like Jimmy Hart picking up all those paydays around Crown Jewel. <laughs> I mean, God bless him. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if anybody's really fucking watched the Randy Orton match over the last like five years. Uh, I drifted um, in and out. The dude works his style. He stays in a box. He doesn't like to bump. He's not going to go to AEW and work their house style. He's going to blow his as, fucking as shoulders As fun as out. it would be in our mind for him to try to do it, as interesting as it might be, it's not going to happen. I mean, would I have loved to see Randy Orton show up there and then be all fired up and motivated like he has been at various points of his career and deliver? I mean, sure, that'd be great. I'd like to see anybody get that chance. But, I mean, it wasn't going to happen. The man is going to get paid. He works a reduced schedule. He gets weekends off, hangs out with his hot wife, goes to the beach. I mean, brother is living the life. Yep. Not More power to him. Not going to knock him for that. But, uh, Steve Cook, it's Wednesday night. It was another tremendously fun Wednesday night. We have wrestling to talk about. Best wrestling night of the week. It is. Uh, so we're going to start off AEW Dynamite, uh, 11.06.19. Start off with the Bastard Pack versus Trent, Steve. Uh, <laughs> what were your thoughts on this match? I love the Bastard Pack. I just do. I mean, how did that guy ever try to ever be a babyface? It completely confused me. He's just, he's just, He's just terrible. He's a terrible human being. He hates everybody. He hates everything. It's just, it's just fantastic stuff. Uh, from his facial expressions, just the way he carries himself into the ri- in the ring, to his promo afterwards, which uh, you know is uh, short and sweet, got to the point. Just a tremendous character, and uh, he got to look pretty good here against Trent. I thought it went a little bit longer than I, I probably had him go through Trent a little bit quicker. But then again, you gotta dig the best friends package with Orange Cassidy. Or is Cassie throwing those freaking stiff kicks? Jesus Christ, son. You got to calm that shit down. Am I right? You got to calm that down, man. If you're going to be a superstar in this business, he's got to, he, he, he can't work so snug, man. It's crazy. Well, but uh, the, the kids love him. The kids love him, though. So good for him. Good for them. And I think that that act's got a lot of potential with uh, Orange and Trent and Chucky e. T. So uh, I can kind of see why they drug out a little bit. And, uh,. I'm not quite sure what happened at the end there. Was he really supposed to kick out of the black arrow? That just, I, I don't know. That seemed, that's it. That seemed a little much. To I me. think what it was supposed and to be, I awkward. think it was supposed to be a kick out directly into the brutalizer. And he mm. didn't kick out. I saw it on the replay. 
you know, it came off as a great near fall because I didn't catch it the first time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, Pac hits a black arrow. Bryce counts one, two, and then he's waiting for him to kick out, and he doesn't. I thought it was it, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was over. Like, wait a minute, what the so hell? So this is not WWE. The referees were apparently not told to call it like a shoot. So Bryce just <laughs> held up, and then Pac locked onto Brutalizer and finished it. Uh, obviously, small hiccup, but I thought overall, very good match. Crowd was hot for it. Uh, the right winner ahead of the pay-per-view, and Trent got a chance to shine before losing, and he's very good. It's been a while since I've seen a Trent singles match. I mean, I'm sure you've seen a lot more than I have. He's probably done some single stuff over in Japan and whatnot, but uh, been a forever and a day for me. So it's uh, it's cool to see. So and then, as you mentioned, Pat cut a little promo afterwards, promising to make an example out of Page at the pay per view. And make an example, he shall. Yes, Page is going to try to do some cowboy shit, and they did make a shirt out of that. <laughs> And we heard a cowboy shit chant later in the show, so it's it's That's working. Right. Next, Steve, we we got into the money portion of the fucking show here. Cody Rhodes arrived. Mm. It was always the money portion. Of the Cody show. Rhodes interview time, and I still see online there are a lot of people that are not sold on Cody. Oh, it's mid card Cody, and blah blah blah. And Cody's not that good. And let let me tell you something. I I've had issues with Cody. Since leaving WWE at times. He lackluster matches in ROH a lot of the time. A lot of his New Japan stuff was a very mixed bag. He would have some okay to good stuff, but then overbooked bringing the circus to town. And then yeah. he would have, like, the he'd bust out a great match here and there. Like, his match with Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom and a couple others. He had a great match with Okada and some stuff like that. So it's like... Cody can bring it. I've really enjoyed his AEW work so far. The match with Dustin was tremendous. Thought the match with Darby Allen was pretty great. Um, and I just first, and I don't know how Steve. I never would have predicted it, but I think Cody's the most over babyface in wrestling right now. He probably is, and it's uh, it's kind of interesting that if you look, take a look at the kind of trajectory of the elite guys uh, heading into AEW so far. It kind of feels to me like. Uh, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, it feels like they're kind of reluctant to kind of push themselves as like tippy, tippy top guys. Like, I don't know if they're worried about the perception or whatnot, but it feels like they kind of hold back a little bit. Like, you see uh, the Young Bucks putting over teams like Private Party. Omega's done a job here and there. And they're kind of uh, holding back a little bit, it feels like. Whereas Cody, on their side, Cody has gone uh, balls to the wall. You've mentioned, you know, his match with Dustin, some of his other, like their match with the Young Bucks, stuff like that. And he has, and he's been okay with, uh, he wants to be that top guy. He, he has the drive, the desire to do that. And he has hit a home run. And he is by far, he's the most ever Bay facing on AEW. And I think everybody thought that probably would have been Kenny Omega going in, but no, it's been Cody. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, by Country and, Mile. By a while, and uh, and this promo, oh gosh, he he knocked this freaking thing out of the park. It was it was just top notch stuff. It was uh, you know you could tell us it felt it felt like it was like straight from the heart. You know, it was like you know a guy going out there without you know I and maybe harp a little bit too much on the scripted promos and whatnot. Maybe give people too much flack for that, <laughs> but you can tell that guy didn't have a script. Well, I think the, you tell that guy went out there, he had some ideas. I think the reason yeah. people are dogging on scripted promos most of the time is not because it's scripted, but it's because of the fucking verbiage that is scripted. 
Like you have a Seth Rollins that comes out there and he he doesn't talk like a normal fucking person talks. Not not in the slightest. You know, it's like it's so hard to connect with people when they're talking and it doesn't sound like a person. And then you add on the fact that like a guy like Seth, no offense, is not a good actor. And so it never comes off well. And like you you talked about this this felt personal and stuff. This promo had a very dusty feel to it in a way, too, which is also why it worked. So Cody comes out, talks about the arrival of Jericho and the inner circle, how they've been very strategic, but that he and the elite saw it coming. Saturday night, he faces Jericho for the championship, and then he starts talking about names of great promoters and bookers, and includes Dusty in there, and talks about them also being greats in the ring, but that there was always controversy with them because they were not only wrestlers, they were management like he is. Said AEW is yep. inclusive, it's freedom, but he does hear the criticisms. So if he loses to Jericho on Saturday, he will never challenge for the championship again. But that's a big if. Jericho constantly calls him an entitled millennial bitch, and then he started mocking Jericho's book, uh, mentioning that it was $3 on Amazon and then the bargain bins. Called Jericho a stupid dick, said they're very much the same. Both had a silver spoon because Jericho was a. Uh, born to a professional hockey player and then uh but Jericho always wants to dismiss all of Cody's accomplishments. He then said Jericho needs this generation more than it needs him. He's busted his ass to go from undesirable to what he is now. He will win in full gear, the elite are coming and when the elite meets the inner circle, they will eat them alive. Thought this was a great babyface go home pay-per-view promo and uh it was a promo that's lacking in 2019 because this was a money promo. This is the kind of promo that sells people on a show. Yeah, uh, that is the definition of a money promo right there. And, you know, I mean, and not to put myself over too much, Larry Zonka, but you know I was one of those people back in the day that was uh, t- that was praising young Dash and Cody Rhodes and talking about the potential he had. And uh, I thought he had the, I thought he had the, I thought he had a chance to get up to this level. And um, frankly, I'm glad I was right. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, not. I mean, not that it takes a rocket scientist to bet on the roads, but you know. <laughs> yeah, those boys are pretty good, Steve. I don't know. They're all right. So, uh, next up, uh, SCU joined commentary while the Lucha Bros joined Spanish commentary. I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you, I I wish we'd heard the Lucha Bros. I, I heard uh, Ray Phoenix was talking about tequila and some other things. Nice. So yeah, that would have been great. With the young Dasha over there yes. too. Did uh, you see Dasha's on AEW Dark now too? Co-hosting Ooh, with yeah. Tony Schiavone. Oh, I have not seen this week, so I will have to yeah. check that out. Uh, w- Just for that. Watch the beginning, else. skip the first two matches, and watch the main event. <laughs> yeah, I heard there's some sketchiness on uh, some of the Ooh, matches there. Um, the the yeah, editing in the women's tag match, Steve. Oh. Mm. Multiple crowd shots to try to cover up stuff, and then it didn't even cover up stuff all that well. There's a reason some of them are on dark face. Yeah. So, but uh, this next match for, was for a shot at the tag uh, titles at full gear. The winners will join SCU and the Lucha Bros in that match. It was Private Party defeating the Dark Order, Steve. 11.35 via pin. Thought it was a good little tag match here. I think the winners were the right winners, and I think it will lead to a very fun pay-per-view match. I don't want you know, and it's probably again old for everybody to hear this over and over again. And I, and I don't want to bang on the Dark Order too much, 
Because I know that those guys, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, I know they showed a hell of a lot of potential a few years ago. I don't know what the heck happened. The, like, what, what the happened to those guys? Is it, is, it just a, is it just a terrible gimmick? I, 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 I think there's got to be something more to it. I don't know. I didn't notice that Evil Uno went back to the shirt this week, which is probably a good choice. Yeah, I still think they're a good team. I think they're good wrestlers, but that, that gimmick is just doing absolutely nothing for them. Yeah, it just kills any interest you have in them, and uh, their matches hadn't really done much for me as of yet. And uh, this one here is okay, a little spotty, as you would kind of expect from the private party and these guys. But uh, they're, they're giving uh, these guys a, a chance here, the private party. And I, they do some fun stuff, kind of. They're youngsters, you know. They're going in there some some veterans too, in Kazarian, Scorpio Sky. Of course, Penn's and Phoenix. So should be a fun match for Vapor though. Definitely, and um, yeah, and again, it's a. It's about making stars, Steve. You you have to make stars. It's good that you have a Chris Jericho on your show that people know. It's good that you have some other names on there that people know from other places like LAX. And, you know, people know Cody and people know Omega and the Bucks to a degree. But you need to constantly be trying to make new stars. And efforts with, like, Private Party and Darby Allin, I think, go a long way to do that. Yeah, and if you don't, if you're not making new stars, people aren't gonna stick around too too much longer. And uh, boy, Darby Allen needs to get back on dynamite, doesn't he? Yeah, he might be a little banged up, man. He doesn't. <laughs> Could be. I mean, he he works a he works a rough style, so I wouldn't be surprised. Little bit. Grab a headlock, kid. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we had a spectacular mockumentary style video package uh, for Chris Jericho. It was mocking a great Cody video package from earlier in the dynamite run. Uh, yeah. Sammy Guevara is sitting there. He's calling Chris Jericho a father figure. We had comments from fucking Soul Train Jones, which is yes. Virgil for those of you yes. that don't know. The living legend. Uh, Virgil, Vincent, yeah. <laughs> Curly Bill. <laughs> Curly Shane. Bill, yeah. Where you want to call him? Uh, Santana and Ortiz <laughs> praised him. They had Jake Hagar just standing there looking mean. Um, Apparently the big hurt now, like Frank Thomas. And then we had uh, comments from... Uh, Chris Jericho's aunt's friend from church, a lovely old woman who was Mrs. Bobson. Yes, who was talking about how Chris Christopher was a good young lad, and then later on said that Jericho would whip Cody's ass. That's right. And then uh Jericho said, uh, while Cody will be busy all day Saturday, he has only one thing planned for the pay-per-view, and that was drinking a little bit of the bubbly, because that's a huge responsibility, and he is Le Champion, Steve. Also, had, I think it's Santana who dropped the phrase dead ass. That's pretty great. That's some good stuff. He also had, oh, the thing at the beginning, too, with Jericho and uh, Guevara there, where Guevara is playing the Brandy Rhodes part in the in the video there. And, you know, Jericho stands up and he kisses Sammy just like Cody kissed Brandy. It's hilarious. It was a, it was a great <laughs> mocking video package. I laughed. It was good. Oh. Uh. They did a great, what a great job building this feud, building, building the damn match for pay-per-view. That just, both guys knocking it out apart. Yeah, we got highlights of Santana and Ortiz attacking the Rock and Roll Express last week. Oh, that was a, that was a travesty of justice Canis right there. Canis attack, Steve Cook. Poor, poor old Ricky Morton. Oh, he just, uh, he's had a rough, uh, what, four or five decades now. Ricky don't give a Constantly shit, Constantly getting dude. beat up. No, he doesn't. It's 2019. <laughs> Ricky Morton is hitting her and Conrana, suicide dies, and fucking Canadian destroyers, dude. He doesn't give a shit. Still, still going to the pay window. 
That's right. So, uh, back to the ring for ladies tag team action. Emmy Sakara and Jamie Hayter defeated Riho and Shauna. Uh, Shauna is inked to a deal. I think Jamie Hayter is probably going to end up being signed. Thought this was a good tag match. Everybody got a little bit of time to shine. And uh, Emmy Sakura pinned Riho with the student outsmarting the teacher to add some drama to their pay-per-view title match on Sunday, Steve. The teacher and student, I believe, is actually the... Sakura is a teacher, yes. right? Yes, yes. That's so, what I said, the teacher outsmarting the student. Okay. Um, Sakura, I mean, what was the Freddie Mercury thing? That's, That's just kind of her gimmick, dude. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is a that is a little weird. I don't know. Was kind of, it was something Excalibur kind of explained, not so much. But uh, yeah, pretty solid match here. You got the Rio Secura there to build their match for pay per view, and you had the two girls there, Shanna and Hater, who were you know trying to establish themselves on the roster. And I thought both came off pretty well here. I am uh, I'm a fan of Shanna, Larry. You know, um, in you know certain way. You know what I'm saying? I you know I'm getting at there, but uh, that's a, that's a good signing for AW right there. I think that will uh, that'll be good going forward. I think uh, the women's division we all know has been kind of it's kind of gone off to a little bit of a slow start. They've managed to establish Riho as the top the uh, top girl there. She's very popular with the crowd, and they need to kind of build some stuff around her. It feels like some of the stuff they're planning kind of fell through, and now they're trying trying to find some stuff that'll work. And uh, Maybe they found some stuff here because, I mean, Sakura and Shanna had a good match last week, and this was pretty good, too. That was uh, Hikaru Shida and... Um... Did I even mistake that? Oh, God, that sounds terrible. No. That's okay, Steve. I will forgive you. I, I, missed, uh, I, I, I thought it was the same person. No, was... That explains a lot, though, because then I was wondering, like, why is she a heel this week? <laughs> Uh, then we speaking of the women. Anyway. Speaking of the women, we got yeah. a Brandy Rhodes video package. She's apparently an evil witch queen now, talking about being dismissed and called stupid and only known for being Cody's husband. But she outsmarted everybody, and they were basically hyping that Kong is with her and that nobody can stop them. Yeah, I don't have much. I don't really have much to add to that other than well, I mean, Brandy is looking like Brandy, so at least she wasn't like that. summoning voodoo powers like last time. I was like a little crazy, but <laughs> so Kong is probably not going to work a full time schedule, right? I would imagine not, just because she was having bad back issues. So, so and Brandy's targeting somebody, and we're not we're not sure who she's targeting. It could be anybody, quite frankly. Uh, waiting for her to dethrone Rio, man, so the internet could explode. Was it Hater she attacked that one yeah. for no apparent reason? She laid on Hater and, and then, then did a little voodoo stare at her and put a shanty on her. But apparently, I mean, and somebody told me later that, well, I guess uh, Brandy had a match with her somewhere and Brandy got injured during it. That's what this person told me. That might and have been when she like, got well, injured in Japan and uh, fucked her shoulder up and broke her collarbone. Okay, and Hater, I guess Hater might, well, Hater also works over there, so I guess she was in, in that match. And uh, my thought was, well, well it's great, but uh, yeah, nobody, there was no mention of this anywhere I saw on television. Yeah, if, if that is the case, you got to mention that, definitely. Yep. Uh, next up, Steve Cook, Sean Spears defeated Brandon Cutler just over three minutes via pin. Your thoughts? Uh, Sean Spears uh, is a good chance for him to get back on track is what this was, pretty much. 
<laughs> yeah, Cutler's been kind of he's he's zero three. He's in that role to put people over, and it's good to get Tully Blanchard out there in front of Charlotte fans to get a nice little reaction for him. But it's definitely it's you know you gotta have these people are talking about well. May they're not going to have the jobber matches because oh, they had a bad rating for core hour or something. But you got to have matches like this on the show to get some people over. And Spears is kind of a guy. I think we kind of forgot about him for a little bit there because he had the he had the big loss to Cody. And then after that, he had that uh, one match with Moxley. But other than that, he hadn't been doing a whole heck of a lot. So good to get him back out there and doing something. And then, of course, after the match, we had uh, good old Joey Janela run out there because apparently... <laughs> and the, this is something. Apparently, the there was an incident where uh, Sean and Tully tried to detach Janela's tongue from his mouth. Yeah, it was an angle from AEW Dark. <laughs> um, so yeah, Sean Spears won. Uh, you know, Brandon Color. I mean, I'm going to call it what it is, and it's not a bad thing. He's there because he's friends with the Young Bucks. But the guy's in shape. The guy works hard. It was a for three minutes. It was a good little match. And yeah, good job, put exactly, over. and yeah, that's he what fine. he was there for. Spears picks up a win. He picked up a win on AEW Dark last night. And, uh, yeah, he was going to beat down Brandon Cutler some more. Joey Janela made the save. The angle on AEW Dark was Janela at the end of the show was out back smoking after he won his match. And Tully came up and was like, you know, you're an asshole. You put um your cigarette in my beer the last time I saw you. And then Spears attacked him. <laughs> beat the shit out of him, and then they held him down and grabbed a pair of pliers and grabbed his tongue and held his mouth open while Spears shoved the cigarette down his mouth. You know, that seems a little excessive to me, to be honest with you. Well, I mean... That seems like an excessive reaction from Tully Blanchard to having a cigarette put down his beer, which I know is a, kind of a dick move, let's hey, be honest. Tully but, likes uh, his beer, dude. It seems a little excessive, Tully. You might want to... He might want to stick to the decaf is all I'm saying, man. Jeez. So it looks like we're building up to a Spears-Janela match, which gives them both something to do. Sure. And, uh, yeah, and like Spears needs something to do, and Janela is, uh, he's had some good uh, hardcore matches, mostly on AEW Dark, and he does get a reaction from the people. So why not give him something like uh, a few of Sean Spears? Good work. Uh, next, excuse me, next we got a really good John Moxley versus Kenny Omega hype video for Saturday's pay-per-view. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then we went to the main event, Steve Cook. Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara ended up defeating Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh, 13-10. Uh, uh, it kind of broke down at the end. Uh, Hagar distracted the ref. Pack arrived and kicked Page in his fucking nuts. What a bastard. Said, do some cowboy shit now, bitch. And Jericho hit the Judas effect for the win. <laughs> So that was a really good main event. Everybody worked hard. Jericho snuck out another win by being an asshole. And that led to a big, hot show-closing brawl. The Inner Circle attacked. Oh, that's great. Cody made the save, and then Jericho and Hager ran off. MJF, which if you don't know is Cody's best friend, arrived, yes. and he uh, attacked with chair shots, rolled Jericho <laughs> into the ring. Cody, Cody hit crossroads. Mo- that didn't look too good. <laughs> fucking Moxley arrived with a barbed wire bat. Jericho attacks Cody. Omega then gets his barbed wire broom. Santana and Ortiz attacked him. The Bucks ran out and we brawled. Uh, they hit dives. Everybody, it broke down. Moxley and Omega brawled on the stage. Nick hit a dive off of the set. The inner circle was wiped out. The elite and the inner circle faced off. And then another brawl to close the show for the big final sell for Saturday's pay-per-view. Pretty much all the main names involved in it. 
a good old-fashioned show, uh, show-closing brawl to build a bunch of matches for the pay-per-view. Worked pretty damn well, I thought. And, uh, you know, and as far as show-closing brawls go, that was a pretty darn good one. Pretty crazy. A lot of stuff, go- lot of stuff going on there. A lot of crazy stuff. And like you said, I, I enjoyed the match as well. And I have been impressed by young Sammy Guevara. There's a, that's a guy who you might recall back when they had the first episode of Dynamite. We were like, why the hell is Cody wrestling this guy? And we see why, because uh, Guevara's become a key part of the inner circle, and he's become Jericho's good friend and buddy, a Spanish god. He's hanging with these guys in these main event matches. And what is he? He's like, what, 15 years old too, right? Oh, uh, something like, yeah. He's, 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 he's a <laughs> yeah, young I mean, buck. seriously. I mean, he's Talk a about, young. Yeah, an actual young buck. <laughs> we can call him the young buck and actually be uh, correct about it. So, world of potential in that kid, no doubt about it. But, uh, yeah, good stuff there, and... Jericho getting win as usual, and poor old, you got to feel for Hangman Page because I think uh, I think Pack has been alerted as to what uh, Hangman Page's weakness might be. Ah, uh, yes, the Hangman. He uh, he, mm-hmm. he fucking jacked him in the nuts too, dude. <laughs> that looked rather vicious. Pack Pack does not mess around, man. Well, he is a bastard, Steve. He is, he is. But uh, yeah, great, uh, great uh, brawl to end the show. And a really good sell job for the pay-per-view. You know, I have a lot of issues with the Attitude Era because a lot of it, honestly, was not as good as people like to make it out to be. But the one thing I do miss a lot from the Attitude Era is when you have those really hot show-closing brawls like this. Yeah. And it's like when they're done well and the crowd is into it and it serves a purpose, that's all I ask for. So I really enjoyed that. Hot close of the show. And we'll talk about more about the overall show later on when we do our head-to-head comparison, Steve. But next, we must talk about NXT, also November 6, 2019. Started yeah. off with footage of the OC attacking and laying out the Undisputed Era in the parking lot. Uh, they probably had yeah, coming. A little, little payback from Raw. So the OC kicked off the show. AJ said that they're taking over NXT, and that's not phenomenal. That's Undisputed. Which led to Tommaso Ciampa, speaking of certified bastards arriving, uh, yes. says he's often asked about when he'd go to the main roster. He welcomed the OC to the main roster and says that he is the show. Uh, Dad, this is Daddy's home, and he is fine with them beating up the Undisputed Era. But if they want to take over NXT, they're going to have to deal with him. AJ was not impressed because, well, there's three of them, and they aren't scared of one person. But he respected them for calling him out and said, uh, you know, the only person with the balls to say anything, basically. And Ciampa was then joined by Matthew Riddle and Keith Lee. Ciampa said there's three of them now, and they were pre- preparing for the uh, Undisputed Era at War Games. But if they want to go to war with them tonight in the match, they're on. And AJ agreed, Steve. You know what? If I was going to go out there and challenge the OC, if I needed two people by my side, I'd probably go with a legit MMA fighter and a big badass dude. Good choice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Riddle, obviously a badass, and uh, Keith Lee is the fucking big dog. I love him. So he's, yeah, yeah definitely a, that's a good pairing. I, I love that we're getting, uh, we're finally getting Keith Lee some push here in NXT, too. Yeah, there was a while there where they weren't doing a whole lot of, he, there's, you know, he's one of those guys that kind of got put on the shelf for a long time, and you didn't see or hear anything from the guy for a while, and here he is. Yep, and he little patience and he's gonna be part of the big war games match here at Takeover. So it's yeah, and he was in the main event tonight. But we opened up Steve with Pete Dunn defeating Damian Priest fifteen ten via submission. Your thoughts, sir? 
Yeah, um, this is one of those, one of those feuds where they kind of just uh, had a random attack, and then they had that match that was pretty good, and they had, there's been some Killian Day involvement, which came into play later on. Where, uh, you know, this is it was a lot like the main event match they had a couple weeks ago, and Pete Dunne got the win back, but then as soon as he did that, oh well, here comes uh, Killian Day to kind of continue the business, and it appears to be a kind of three way feud they're kind of building there. Apparently, that's what it looks like because he went after both guys when he came out. So, yeah, um, yeah so, it'd be interesting. And, hey, you know what? I'm fine with it. It gives them all something to do. It gives Killian Dane, importantly, something to do. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, why is he back in NXT, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, they weren't fucking doing anything with him on the main roster. If you remember, they brought up Sanity and killed him. So. There is one dive that Priest tried to do on the, and the that's, that. There's one dive where it looked like he damn near killed himself. That was kind of scary. The, the step-up dive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was not. I think Gray's done. Well, on that one that, that one was okay floor. comparatively to Matt Riddle almost dying in the main event. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a rough night for this sort of thing. Yeah, a little rough night on dots. But yeah, good opening match. Played well for their first match. Dunn gets the revenge win, and we're uh, continuing the issues with Killian Dane. So the booking is running together well in that regard. Yeah. Uh, it was announced earlier today that Rhea Ripley had officially picked Tegan Knox and Candice LeRae for her War Games team, but the fourth person was undetermined. Shayna Baszler did not pick the Horsewomen partner. She picked Bianca Belair and Io Shirai, vastly superior choices, and her final yeah. spot is still open. Yeah. Uh, we get, you know, you got to feel pretty bad if you're the Horsewoman. You kind of got jobbed out there. Well, I mean... You've been friends with this girl for how long now? Yeah, but it was definitely the right choice. Well, I mean, certainly, no doubt about that. I mean, if I had to choose between Io Shirai and those two, or Bianca Belair and those two, well, you know, kind of easy Various choice. reasons as well. Various reasons, which, you know, we could get into those on a different show. So we, we got a promo cut time from Dakota Kai. Said she came back from her injury with more fire than ever, and she'll prove uh, why she deserves a spot in the War Games match tonight when she faces Shayna Baszler tonight. And we'll see what Shayna has to say after she kicks her face off. Well, if she kicks the woman's face off, she's not getting anything to say. I mean, this this is accurate, Steve. Uh, (laughs) Next up, um, for what I thought was the lone not good thing on the show, Tynara defeated Santana Garrett in Santana's uh, main roster debut here. Four minutes and five seconds via pin. I did not think this was good. I thought there was a lot of awkward exchanges and slow motion points in this match. Like... Santana Garrett hits her like backspring elbow, and then yeah. like out of the all of a sudden it's like they cut the frame rate in half, and like they walk out of the corner. She goes behind Tynar. They walk over to the ropes very slowly, and then they go backwards very slowly into an O'Connor roll spot, and it's like what the fuck are you guys doing? I well, swear to God that it's like they forgot what they were doing. And there's also that spot where Santana tried to hit her finish, that little handspring into the, the moonsault. And, uh, yeah, that didn't look too good either. Like, it looked like uh, Tanara kind of rolled into it pretty much. It's kind of ugly. But uh, the thing is, I mean, I like Santana a lot um, for various reasons. But to be honest, she's been wrestling for quite a while. And she's kind of been at the same skill level the whole time, right? Uh, honestly, yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. 
Yeah. I mean, some people are just like that. They show up, uh, like Velvet Sky was like that. Velvet Sky showed up in TNA one day and she was at a certain skill level and she remained that skill level for the rest of well, her Well, some would say she got worse. But... Well, uh, it seemed like the same skill level to me, to be honest. I'll give her a little credit there. But uh, yeah, and uh, I thought I thought Stara did it. I mean, Stara looked okay for her, for her skill level and also okay for other various reasons. I was going to ask you... Um, I heard on the commentary that Santana's uh, father passed away this, uh, this this past year, and I was wondering because I'd seen on the, I'd seen on Women of Wrestling, did uh, this ever come up? Did uh, Tessa Blanchard ever get blamed for killing him? Uh, not that I know of. I mean, I've been watching every because I think, I'm pretty sure Tessa killed him. I think that's what happened there. I I wouldn't put it past her. I mean, she's been a little vicious on that show. So yeah. either that or Sofia Lopez had him taken on. Mm, see that that's a. That's definitely a possibility. You can't you can't trust her. I mean, she she Shady is the character. power broker. Absolutely. That's uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. This this was what it was. It was uh, kind of a low. It was a very developmental match. Very developmental. There you go. Good way to put it. Tenera, I think Tanera does have some. She attention. definitely does. I mean, she she has a great look. She has a good background, and I think there is potential there. And she shows flashes of it sometimes. But I mean. You're only going to get so good working the coconut loop and working lower tier people. I mean, she needs she needs more matches against people with experience. More, she needs to work like EO more and people like that to start upping her game. And yes, yeah, and I think she I think she will get this. Yeah, chance. and Santana feels like you said it kind of. I agree. I think she's someone that kind of kind of peaked early and then stayed there. Uh, and we can just hope that uh, the time performance center helps that. Exactly. So. Is Velvet Sky never had Nope. Got a video package for tonight's Angel Garza versus Tony Nese number one contenders match, which led to champion Shayna Baszler in a non-title match, defeating poor Dakota Kai at 11-13 via submission. I I yeah. thought this one was really good. I thought they did a good job, and um, I thought uh, Dakota had a really good babyface performance, and the closing stretch was well done, but uh, she unfortunately failed again, Steve. She is a strong. I mean, she always has a strong Bay face performance. You gotta give her credit for that. And uh, Bayser looked good. Uh, you know, just kind of being the crap out of her as she is uh, want to do. But uh, certainly, uh, Dakota Kai did not uh, fulfill her promise of uh, proving why she deserved being War Games because well, she got tapped out. That's right. And that led to the post match where Jessamyn Duke and Miranda Shafir beat the shit out of Dakota. Team Rhea Ripley appeared. And uh, they were also joined by um, Io Shirai and Bianca Belair. He had the brawl on the floor. And then enter Sandman hit as Mia Yim playing the role of the Sandman arrived with a kendo stick and beat the fuck out of anybody moving. Yeah. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she wouldn't mess around with that thing. She was she was like pack out there, not messing around. Jesus. So uh, and then she stood tall with the rest of Team Ripley in the middle of the ring running off the heels. I don't know if they. I don't know if she skipped the kendo stick day, uh, uh, <laughs> the kendo stick practice at the the performance center. I. You think they have that? I, I I wouldn't think so because I'm sure Terry Taylor would put the the X-nay on that. I I think CZW used to have the uh, training for uh, that. Probably. For, you know, hidden with various objects, which you know you need to know those things. But uh, yeah, Mia Yim looking like a roller beater. Which I, I I approve. I've always cared. I've always liked Mia. So, yeah, that came off really well, and more build towards the War Games match. 
Speaking of building to war games, Kathy Kelly in, uh, interviewed Tomasa Ciampa and asked if he had found a final partner for the war games. He says, we will know when the time comes, but tonight he's happy to take out the OC. Also a fan of Kathy Kelly. So Hard not to be, Steve. Yeah, yeah, good, good people there. Did you see Kayla Braxton and her Halloween costume, by the way? Oh, I missed oh, that. Oh, dude, go to her Instagram. She dressed as uh, the Alaska woman from uh, the Fantastics movie. Oh, that, that sounds promising. Uh, very good. She filled out the outfit. That wasn't the one with uh, Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers, no, right? No, no. That was a different one. But uh, she uh, <laughs> she filled out the outfit nicely. I'm sure so she So we did. return to the ring, Steve Cook. Angel Garza, which again always makes us think yeah. back to our TNA days and Hector Garza. Uh, yes. Number one contenders match defeated Tony Nese, uh 12-20 via pin. Thought they had a good match here. Uh, it was a good follow-up to Garza's recent booking where he's been looking to get a Cruiserweight title shot. So beating a former Cruiserweight champion in a number one contenders match sets him up nicely for that shot, I felt. And that's the right choice, too. I mean, we've seen Tony Nese with the title. That's the thing that happened, and that's kind of in the past now. Uh, Garza, kind of the new... The new young thing coming up the ranks uh, got a role to potential too. Just so you know, a lot of people in the show got role potential, and he's he's one of them. And we saw Lyra Rush come out after the match, and uh, oh, Garza him with that slap. He's like, you know, Rush wanted to have the big old handshake, and Garza slapped the taste out of his mouth. That was good stuff. He did, dude. He good slapped stuff. the shit out of him, dude. That was he wasn't messing. A lot of people tonight were not messing. Around. Exactly. That was that was good stuff. But you know, because here's the thing, it's like. You know, when you're in the ring and stuff, you hit and you chop each other rather hard at times. And, like, I hate when you do a an angle and someone's supposed to slap somebody and it's like you're tapping your sister. Like, yeah. you're play fighting. Like, hey, sis, pap, how you doing? No. If you're going to fucking slap somebody, and I, I hate to put her over, but be Stephanie McMahon. Because yeah, when Stephanie slaps slap. somebody, she doesn't fucking hold back. She didn't throw working no. slaps, no. So, I mean, uh, Leo ate a big slap here, and that was fine, and apparently they are facing off next week for the title. Yeah, which uh, sounds like a pretty good idea, man. Yeah, I like that match. Uh, backstage, uh, Rhea Ripley says what Mia Yim did tonight was brutality, and she picked Mia as yeah. the fourth member for her War Games team. Mia claimed that they were going to collect bodies at War Games, and... Dakota Kai was looking sad in the background. Rhea looked back at her and apologized and said that, I'm sorry, Dakota, you just didn't make the cut. Dakota walked off as a sad panda, Steve. Yep. Well, I mean, she didn't make the cuts. And let's be honest, uh, she wasn't looking too good after that match and after that beatdown. So not in great physical shape. Already got the bad leg and bad who knows what else. So you, you can't drag somebody like that into war games. Just, you, you can't do it. He'll turn coming, Steve. Oh, gosh. Uh, maybe. But uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to see that, to be honest with you. I don't know either, but I could definitely see it, especially if it's war games and she screws over Tegan, dude. Maybe she could team up with Io Shirai, and maybe she could, uh, I don't know, maybe evil Dakota Kai could uh, have kind of the same effect that uh, turning evil went for, did for you. Maybe that Dakota could, ends up maybe. on Team Shayna. Hmm. Who knows? So they could have, like, a horse. Does they could have, like, another member of that team that could work? I, I guess. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I thought that came off well and was interesting. Again, more dedicated build to the War Games show. Like that. I think your other team member for the War Games has to be uh, 
No, I'm trying to think of something funny, but I, <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing because Macy's Girls is actually pretty good. Yeah. So, you know. NXT women's division is on fire lately, dude, outside of the earlier match we talked about. But, I mean, the yeah. main women are just killing it recently. Yeah, that's and that's been the one point in the show where every week they've had it over AW. Although it's gotten close for the last couple of weeks, because yeah. they've had a couple of good matches on Dynamite. But you know, it's still, still a pretty good advantage. Uh, speaking point. of AW, real quick, you may want to watch the first two matches, even though they weren't that good, because MJF is on commentary the whole show. Well, that that that's always a positive. He, he was a spectacular asshole. <laughs> Except when it came to Cody, I'm sure. Well, I mean, Cody wasn't on the show because it's dark. But, yeah, it's just he was great. Like, there was a, uh, like, the one match he talked about, like, the women's match, Sadie Gibbs was wrestling. He goes, he goes I admire Sadie Gibbs for coming out here. She's on an obvious advantage being from, disadvantage being from the U.K. And well, just, like, I mean, left it there. Well, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, Excalibur <laughs> had no clue what to say to that. So, uh, But we went back to the ring, Steve Cook. Dominic Dijakovic defeating Isaiah Swerve, Swerve Scott, 720 via pin. Uh, short match, but I thought it was a really good little sprint, really good showcase for both guys. Dijakovic is great in the fact that he can work with a big dude like Keith Lee. He can work with somebody like Scott. Scott has looked really good over the past few weeks between NXT and 205 Live, even, even dragging something watchable out of Davari twice. Wow. Yeah, okay, I, that's that's a that's I mean, a feat right there. Not good. Watchable. <laughs> well, that's a feat yeah. too. But so yeah, it's swerve a guy with the world of potential. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. And uh, yeah, I mean they they didn't have to go 13, 14 minutes here. They had a nice little short match here. They got a good amount of their stuff in. And you know, watching Dijakovic throw little people around, I I can get down with that. Yeah, and that's again, that's the good fun stuff. thing about him because I do love him kind of hossing around and then doing shit he's not supposed to do with Keith Lee. But then getting to see him play monster sometimes is just a ton of fun. Yeah. So good, good, good time. Uh, announced for next week, Steve, with the War Games advantage on the line, Io mm. Shirai and Mia Yim in a fucking ladder match. Yeah, they, <laughs> like that. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck? Why not? I'm I'm good. I'm in. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. Why not? We're we're throwing stuff out there, man. Yeah. Throwing throwing stuff out there. Why not? I, I guess yeah, Io Shirai has some experience in liar matches. I have no. Is what I, what uh, what she's saying apparently. So. All I know right, is, like I said, the, the women have been fucking killing it on NXT, and you're to give these two a ladder to play with now? Yeah, that definitely has some nice potential. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, should be a should be a rip snorter, I would say. A rip snorter. Fair enough. Yes, sir. So our main event was uh, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, and Tommaso Ciampa battling the OC, Steve Cook. They went to a yeah. no contest at 13 and a half minutes. I go to you for your thoughts first. Yeah. Um, solid match. Uh, some good work there. But you know how I feel about the old sports entertainment finish. You know, you had the, the poor referee ate the, he ate the pounce. The pounce? I used to be able to do that good, but not anymore. But, uh, you know, I love Keith Lee's pounce, too. It's great. Nice little throwback. Always appreciate that, but uh, I understand why they did because you probably you don't really want any of these guys to lose. OC's probably not going to do the job. You don't really want Ciampa, Riddle, or Lee eating a pin. So I understand why they had to do it that way. I'm just one of those old fight days that doesn't like it when we don't have a gosh darn finish to a match. And uh, 
it, we had some nice little post-match nagins, which, which, which we'll get to. But, you know, I mean, it's NXT, man. We're supposed to have finishes. We're supposed to have winners and losers, man. What the heck? Yeah, uh, I, I enjoyed this despite the non-finish. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, AJ Styles tearing it up with Matt Riddle and Ciampa at points was, like, so much fun. I really enjoyed that. AJ looked a little revitalized getting to work with those guys. Uh, we joked about it earlier. Um, Matt Riddle tried to do a Fosbury flop and almost fucking died. Yeah, that, that wasn't too good. So uh, slow it down a little, bro. Finn Balor arrived, and uh, there was big brawl on the floor. He hit Bloody Sunday on Riddle on the floor. Styles uh, threw up the two sweet. Balor gave him the double guns. Adam Cole yeah. arrived. Uh, Superkick Styles hit the last shot on Chiampa. No contest. Again, we're building the war games. We're building two Survivor Series as well now that it's a tri-branded show. And it did bother me that Moro is, uh, is apparently confused as to why the Cole would also attack Tommaso Chiampa. It's like, yeah, why wouldn't he? They're going to face off at war games, dude. Come on. Yeah. Oh, Steve, there's some breaking news this evening here. Oh, do it. Oh, we got some breaking news. The Stephanie McMahon memoir, once uh, scheduled to be released in 2016, will finally be published in August of 2020. The book titled Unreal, the crazy, the inside crazy fun show business world of WWE, will be released by Reagan Arts Publishing. McMahon had been working on the book several years ago before pulling it from its original publishing date and commenting that it was on hold and there were many stories that needed to be told. Unfortunately, they're not going with the, the original title of Lady Balls, but so there you go. <laughs> How long until it's in the $3 bin next to Jericho's? Uh, three weeks. Three weeks. <laughs> uh, I'm sure whoever writes the book would do a fantastic job. I just can't imagine anybody really wanting to sit down and go, I'm going to read about Stephanie McMahon. Uh, I mean, she would probably have some interesting stories to tell. I don't know if she'd uh, tell them in a WWE produced book. I don't know. You know, I mean, I mean you know, I mean, being the daughter of Vince McMahon's guy, have some. There's got to be some interesting stories there. Yeah. But again, what she what she tell them? Is the question. Oh yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like events ever like broke down and actually told the truth for like a night, wouldn't that be interesting to listen to? That'd be spectacular. Yeah. But let's be honest, that's not going to happen. It's not. So Steve, we have to head uh, to the head to head head to head comparisons now, and I'll go first if you don't mind. Um. I thought AEW Dynamite was a very good show. I thought they did a very good job building to the pay-per-view. I thought the Cody promo was the highlight of the show. I thought the show ending brawl was very good. I thought we had a lot of good wrestling. I didn't think anything was bad on the show in terms of wrestling by any means. Overall, very good show. Very enjoyable show. NXT, I thought, also was a very good show this week. Uh, everything outside of Tynara and Santana Garrett was very good. Thought there were some nice build to war games, a little bit of focus on building the Survivor Series with the OC appearing, following up on the NXT main roster appearances. I thought it was extremely close battle this week, Steve. Extremely close. I give AEW the edge by the smallest of margins, but again, a very, very good and enjoyable Wednesday overall. No complaints from me. The winners were the fans, man, let's be honest. No, don't do that bullshit. Yeah, the winners were the fans by Cracky. But I, I'm with you. I, I also give AEW the slight edge 
mostly due to the fantastic promo work by by Cody, that spectacular video from Jericho, oh, yes, and I, and the matches up and down were pretty good. I mean, even that match with the the short match with Spears and Cutler was very good. So I thought, I thought up and down the show delivered. I thought the the Charlotte crowd sounded hot. I, I'm sure Lambert had a great time there. I think I heard him a few times. He was. Uh, I don't know if, he, if I don't know if he's trying to start some Jericho chance. Probably, I think that's what happened there. I, I think that's what I heard. But uh, but no slide all to the NXT crew put on their solid show. I mean, and we don't want to bang on the Tenyar and Sarah Santana too much. But uh, I mean, everybody else kind of everybody else brought it, man. Everybody brought it. Good stuff. And good. Nice to see. AJ and Luke and Carl there too. And again, too, because that, that's their first time in NXT too. Remember, they they didn't have. That's either. right. And again, I mean, if, if the Santana and Tynara match is like the absolute worst thing you're you're getting on the show, and everything else is really good, I mean, yeah, it's still a really oh, good fine. show. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's fine because the, even that has something going for it. So, but uh, so yeah, so again, like, you know, what I'm saying, I know what you're saying. <laughs> But again, another extremely enjoyable Wednesday night, Steve. I'm loving Wednesday nights. My favorite night of the week right now, followed by Tuesday, because I'm enjoying Tuesdays because sure. yep. we got NWA Power, AW Dark, and Impact. Did you catch the NWA yeah. show this week? I'm um, gonna have to catch it tomorrow. Uh, I I needed some sleep yesterday. Fair enough. Oh. <laughs> uh, Thunder Rosa finally makes her debut. Oh, good. Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. And uh. uh and Marty Bell and I are one of my favorites, too. Yes, Marty Bell is on the show as well. And we have a big Colt Cabana, James Storm uh, national title main event. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Colt earned the title shot last week with the uh, big win in the six-man tag. So makes it makes sense there. And if I recall correctly, Storm mostly won the title because Cabana had an injury. Yeah, they shot the angle at the in an ROA show. Colt had that uh, nasty thigh injury at the time and was still recovering from it. And... Uh, NWA needed to put the title on Storm, so they just did like a, I think it was like a two-minute deal where Storm talks him into the match and then kicks him in the leg and ends up beating him and whatever. And But yeah, so Cole Cabana and looking for his revenge. So yes, the NWA show is a good show. You'll enjoy, Steve. Well, that that's good. And then we have uh, MJF on commentary for Dark, and I've been also promised uh, Dasha, so hey. Sounds good. Yeah, Dasha's a nice uh, uh, addition to the show. She uh, played well off of Tony, and it was a. Uh... I'm sure Tony was pleased. <laughs> dude, Tony Schiavone is living the best life. That dude is the best part about AEW commentary right now is just hearing like how joyful Tony Schiavone is. Like, oh, he like is. he was doing good work in MLW, and I enjoyed it. But like, it's totally different in AEW because he's just having so much fun and like. He does a good job of putting stuff over. He doesn't do the grumpy old man Jim Ross shit. But you can tell he's happy working with Jim Ross again. Apparently, he loves working with Excalibur. So, sure. I mean, it's just... Yeah. And speaking of Excalibur, real quick, I think for, like, a dude that is now six weeks in calling TV, wrestling on national TV, I think we need to give this dude a lot of respect. Because not only did we know he was a good announcer before... But yeah. he's doing such a good job of sending the commercial breaks and setting up videos and everything and just, you know, stuff that you would expect that to be Jim Ross's role for working TV so many years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and, and Excalibur never really had to do that working for PWG. Exactly. He just had to work on being a good commentator, and now he's doing all this other stuff. So, yeah, quick aside there, I thought he's been doing really well. Uh, so... And also, Tony. Tony also gets to be like one of Cody's best friends. Too. Exactly. 
And I do yeah, like so. uh, Tony kind of playing the mean Gene role occasionally and doing the interviews and yeah. center stuff because <laughs> no, that plays to his strengths really well. Yep, it does. It does um, yeah, and it's good. And we've talked before about how uh, you know up until Tony's comeback, there are a lot of people out there who just remember Tony from the later years of W Nitro, where he had pretty much checked out. Like uh, most people in that company had checked out, and uh, he wasn't he wasn't too good back in those days working with the drunk Bobby Heenan. It was just uh, bad times, and uh, now he's been able to kind of show why people spoke so highly of him back in the 1980s, back when he was on top of his game. And he's on top of his game right now, it looks like. So more power to him and to Excalibur doing a great job. And, uh, well, JR hasn't annoyed me as much the last couple of weeks. I don't know. JR has his moments. I just, it's like, dude, <laughs> fucking stop yelling at the cloud. That one, the one show where they did mostly tag team matches, was just, you know, his worst Worst effort, and I'm sure if he heard me saying that, he wouldn't be too happy. But you know, it's, it's, it's like I appreciate him wanting tag rules and everything. And yes, they can enforce that a little more, no doubt. But I mean, it's not his job to harp on that. It's his job to put over what is in front of him on the monitor, and that's what annoys me the most about it. It's not just that it's old man yelling at cloud. It's like, dude, you need to, you need to prioritize. And let us know. I did notice that they they have a ten count now. Get out of the ring. I think they probably extended that on purpose from like the typical five count that you know you had for like eighty five years. So well, the, at least they, they announced the count that actually the early on, and I think Jr. forgot about that. I don't think he knew. <laughs> so I'm sure he didn't know. He probably thought, he probably thought it was a five so. count. But anyway, Steve, we are going to stick with AEW. We have a pay per view Saturday night, full gear coming to you from Baltimore. Yeah. Another uh, another classic NWA town there. We're coming from Charlotte and up to Baltimore. They had, had they had so many uh, pay per views there. It's a lot of great American bashes. I remember uh, it was in 1988. Uh, Lex Luger and Ric Flair. That world title Luger match. Lex getting screwed by the Athletic Commission. Luger should have won that goddamn State Athletic Commission. And goddamn, I hope they don't get involved in this show. Is all I can tell you about that. Oh. Did I just spoil the finish of the main offense? Uh, I don't know. I uh, hope not. <laughs> I don't know, Steve. Are you on the payroll? Cody does love those NWA finishes. He loves his NWA. We know that. Yeah. So we start off pay-per-view, Steve. We have a buy-in match. Dr. Britt Baker versus B. Priestley. Uh, we've, it's a grudge match. Yeah, we've talked about this before. One of the aspects of AEW that is unfortunately fallen by the wayside a bit here at the beginning and needs to improve and has been getting a little better is the booking of the women's division. Uh, you know, they haven't gotten a ton of TV time. Um, let's see. Where the, what the hell? I lost my train of thought. They've been on AEW Dark a little bit. Sorry. I was like, I had like a yeah. whole thing planned. But, um, but so... <laughs> This match actually has a bit of a rivalry to it because uh, B injured Britt during the summer at the one show. And yeah. um, so they feuded a bit over the summer in tag matches, gone after each other in battle royals. And um, they played that up on a really good interview on Dark. Uh, I love the uh, Britt's cutting this promo and she's like, you know, some people are professionals and some people's are pieces of shit. And I was like, Very damn. Happy. I was like, all right. Um, so... It's kind of a shame, though, that it's on the pre-show in a way because this is one of the feuds that they've actually developed. And you would think yep. it would be on the main show. I, I think um, 
Britt has a ton of potential. She looks like a star. She has a great look. And I think she'll get there in time. B, she's really ambitious. And her ambitious has led to a lot of sloppiness and unfortunately injuring others in times and matches. Yeah, that's been a problem in other promotions. I, I, yeah, she almost I killed Mayu Iwatani over the fucking weekend. Ugh, they, they were doing God. like a top rope Rana spot or something. Oh, Jesus Christ. There's a gif of it on Twitter, dude. It's... Yeah, I mean, Britt Baker, I know heading into the show, heading into Dynamite Day, she was a key part of some of the commercials and whatnot. So I think what happened is once they saw Britt work some more, they probably realized that she wasn't quite as far as long as they thought she was. I think that's a fair like assessment. They, yeah. I think they thought that she was better is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And so they kind of pulled it back a little bit, and she still she still done some stuff. Like she she got the title match on TV, and she had the big uh, big deal in Pittsburgh where she got to look good and whatnot. But uh, I think that has been an effort on their part with where I think some stuff has fallen through for the women's division, like the uh, the Kylie Ray business. I don't know what that was all about, but uh, and I think Britt was uh, I think Britt was a bigger thing planned that they realize it's not quite ready yet. So they're trying to figure out what they're going to do there. And uh, while we do have this program, because apparently B Priestley likes to injure people. Yeah. So I I think that, I I think that the goal of the feud here is going to be to rebuild up Brit uh, and try to get her into a position where they think they can make her one of the main names. So I think she'll win here and um, hopefully B doesn't hurt her. Yeah. That's pretty much what we can hope for there. So uh, next up, uh, women's champion Riho will defend against Emi Sakura. Um, again, a little bit underdeveloped. Uh, Emi Sakura won a match on AEW Dark, and then um, you know she followed up this week, winning in a tag match, pinning Rio. So you have the student versus teacher relationship here, with uh, the, the teacher one upping the student on uh, the show. Um, obviously Rio has been, she's been really good so far. She's gotten over more than anybody could have imagined. I think Steve, is that a fair assessment? That is a fair assessment. I mean, she's been one of the, he's, she's been one of the top bright spots of the women's division, no doubt about it. And, uh, we know that, uh, Kenny Omega is high on her and he's, he, he's probably not surprised she got this popular. So it's, uh, I think the rest of us might be. And uh, it's a little rushed because, I mean, Sakura just showed up very recently, and we just recently found out that she was the teacher, and we just recently found out she dresses up as Freddie Mercury. So, you know, we're, we're kind of learning this as we go, pretty much. And, uh, In their defense, they have the, mentioned a relationship over the summer during the shows, and she did the Freddie Mercury stuff before. And there probably were some visas, you know, probably issues getting people over and whatnot, which happens from time to time. Should be a good match, though. We're talking about a student and a teacher, people who have... Uh, a uh, wealth of experience together for sure. If anybody knows how to make Rio look good, it's probably Sakura. So it should be a pretty darn good match, and uh, I would imagine that Rio would be going over. Yeah, I expect a really good match here. Rio should win. It's just uh, I I like the match and everything, but it's just it does not feel like the time to take the title off her. I think there's a little more you can do with her until you build up somebody that feels kind of right to take the title because this one feels a little rushed, but should be good. The tag team titles will be on the line next. Steve Cook, SCU defending against Private Party and the Lucha Bros. Your thoughts, sir? Uh, yeah, like I said earlier, this should be a really fun match with uh, you know three really fun teams. You know how I love the Lucha Bros. Penta, Phoenix are just—they're both awesome. I mean, 
Phoenix has really broken out this year too. He's, uh, you know, I, I, Penta used to kind of be the more widely regarded one, I think, but Phoenix has kind of uh, taken a little bit, a little bit of that this year. I think mostly because of his complete craziness with dives and whatnot. But uh, you know, so they're always fun. Private Party is definitely impressed in their brief run on AEW. I think they'll add some good stuff to this match. And you got uh, Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Um, you know, I, I don't think people really expect them to be the tag team champions head, uh, coming into here, but uh, that's a good choice. You're talking about two veterans. Uh, I, it seems like they have some plans for Scorpio Sky, possibly. That kind of seems to be what they're hitting at. Um, do we know the status of Christopher Daniels? Is he going to be around for the show? Do we, do we know that? Yeah, like, he may be there, but he's not obviously going to be involved in anything. He was... Uh, when they did that angle and stuff, they had said the next week he was going to be out six to eight weeks. So we'll see how mm. that plays out. I mean, they've kept him off TV so far and everything. So we'll see what happens. I wouldn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I would not be surprised, honestly, to see it be a quickie title change. You think so? As much. I, it would not surprise me because as much as I like the SCU with those guys, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of uh, hot shot at every Lucha Bros. That's fair, dude. I mean, they they could do that. I don't expect it. I'm kind of leaning SCU right now. I haven't put a lot of thought into it because it was just announced like three hours ago. So, um, but I mean, I think I'm thinking SCU. But I mean, you may be right. They may they may have wanted to do that feel good story in the tournament and then just switch it yeah. switch it back. And you could also do the fact that. I mean, you could have one a private party take the fall and then do the rematch on TV later on, have the Lucha Bros win that clean and then move on from there. I'm kind of thinking SCU holds on to it, though, because I'm thinking Santana and Ortiz win later in the show. And mm-hmm. I think that they that face set SCU. That, up. Okay. that would make sense. So, but too. I don't think your theory is out of the question, though. I'm just I'm not sure about it. I'm going to have to put a little more thought into it. Yeah. Uh, the next match, Steve, is the Bastard Pack versus Cowboy Shit Hangman Page. The Cowboy Shit. Definitely a lot of Cowboy Shit here. And uh, uh, Pack definitely got the upper hand on, on this evening, which would seem to speak ill of his chances uh, heading into uh, this show. But uh, they've been keeping Pack pretty strong. His only uh, loss, if you will, was kind of due to uh, a draw and shenanigans is there is a draw and there are shenanigans due to john moxley being a poor tag team partner uh, john moxley does not like team sports other than that i mean they've been other than that pac's been pac's been looking like a looking like a, t- a top bastard if you will and uh and page definitely been booked up and down and uh that might lead you to think that maybe page gets the win here but i gotta tell you i have a tough time picking against pack that man i do not want him angry at me yeah, uh, if you guys remember, these two were originally going to face off a double or nothing, but depending on yeah. who you believe, Visa issues slash Pac not wanting to do jobs as the Dragon Gate champion ruined that. <laughs> I mean... I guess Dragon Gate's not a factory anymore, no. right? So, uh, so they then met on the October 2nd debut on Dynamite. Pac defeated Paige. It was a really good match via referee stoppage. Uh, two weeks later, they had the tag match where Paige and Kenny Omega won. As Steve mentioned, that was the John Moxley leaving uh, Pac to hang out on his own there. And uh, so Paige has been getting some momentum as of late. He's been doing better. He's been picking up. Um, so I'm looking forward to the match because their first one on TV was really good. They'll have a little more freedom here on pay-per-view. Yeah. 
I think you can make the argument easily for Paige to get a big win here because they do see a lot of him. They probably have plans, but... You have Pac or Pac. I, I'm going to keep messing up the name forever now that I've quote-unquote learned the real pronunciation. He's yeah. been absolutely fucking great so far. He comes off as a star. Everything he does look good. Plus, he's been intertwined with the Moxley and Omega stuff. So I feel that they're going to want to continue to explore that. I think Paige loses here. And I think that Paige may be going heel soon. I think he's heading down the dastardly road. I think so. It's quite it's quite possible, and uh, the thing with Page is, I think they see Page as uh, a future top guy. I think he's the guy they're building towards in the future, but they still got some time to go before he'll be completely exactly. ready. Like if he if he had won a title back, you know, if he had beat Jericho back at uh, his double, it's it was all out, right? It was all out the title match? Yeah, yeah. If like if he had won it then, if he had been the first champion, that probably would have killed him off, to be honest. Because I'm not sure people will buy it at that point, but uh, I think he'll he'll be ready for it. But it's going to take some time, and I think he goes through things like losing the pack, and uh, you know you got to go through adversity sometimes. I think Young Hangman be in for some adversity on Saturday night. I think you are correct, Steve. Next we go to the Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz. Steve, your thoughts first. Yeah, um, the Young Bucks, like I mentioned earlier, they have not shied away from putting people over. I mean, they gave, they put the private party over, and that's really jump-started them off for sure. And as you hinted at earlier, Santana Ortiz probably going to be top contenders for the tag team championships. They might be yes, they might be SCU. Heck, they might be private private party. Who knows? So, I think uh, I think you're kind of right on this one. I think that uh, Ortiz and Santana are probably the right people to pick, especially being part of Jericho's inner circle. You know, you got to keep those guys strong. You got to keep the heel strong. Yeah, I think this has the potential to be a great match. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, yeah, obviously the former LAX, a great team. Young Bucks, a great team. They're going to be on pay-per-view. They're going to have freedom. So it's it's oh, going to yeah. be probably a great match. One of the better ones on the show, if I had to guess. One with the one would think so, barring some kind of uh, barring some kind of silliness or something. Barring but, uh, somebody yeah. maybe dying on a Fosbury flop or something, you know, that'd be horrible. Always, well, you know, that's always a possibility too in these some of these matches with some of these guys. So. <laughs> to be honest, uh, next up, Steve Cook, unsanctioned match. Yeah, John Moxley versus Lights Kenny out. Omega. Uh, this match was originally scheduled for all out, but the Moxley, uh, injury with his elbow picked up a staff infection as well during the G1. He had to miss time. So that match was canceled. The good news is that he's okay. Now he has been great since coming back. They've kept the heat on this feud going really well. I'm excited for this match, but I do have some, some minor issues with the stipulation choice that I would like to discuss. It's first of all, this is the third unsanctioned match already in AEW since May. The first two, the first two really didn't need to be labeled as such. They could have just been street fights, hardcore matches, or no DQ matches to avoid what feels like diminishing returns here. Next, the lights out on sanction match has historically been a last resort match to where a feud between guys has gotten out of hand. The promotion kind of throws their hands up and says, "We're going to let you fight, but we take no responsibility for the match, the results, the possible injuries." They just let them do their thing. I think the feud has been done well, but I don't think we're quite at that level of this that just yet. And again, seeing that we've already seen two of these matches and that Moxley and Omega have each been involved in one, 
it again feels like diminishing returns. I don't think we needed to do that. Uh, and finally, and in all honesty, it feels a little bit like a cop-out on the win-loss record deal. Because the unsanctioned matches, quote-unquote, don't count on the win-loss records because they don't want one of these guys taking an official loss. So that annoys me a little bit. So I'm not a fan of the stipulation. But with all those complaints being said, which I think are perfectly fair, Steve, I'm really looking forward to this. The match has been built really well. Moxley has been great post-WWE, delivering in big-time matches. Omega pretty much always delivers in big-time matches. I think uh, Santana Ortiz and the Bucks is going to be great, but I think that this one is probably going to end up stealing the show. They're going to have an ass load of freedom with that stipulation. I know a lot of people are probably leaning towards Omega winning. I'm going to go with Moxley, and with it being unsanctioned and no DQ and no rules and stuff, I think Pac may even get involved to set up a potential triple threat match down the line. Ah, see, this you're kind of going down the road I was going down, because when I think no rules, when I think non-sanctioned, when I think lights out, you got to think of John Moxley. This is his style match. And we we saw Omega do it, Joey Janela, sure, but it's still, yeah, and he's got the barbed wire broom, but you still don't really think of this as being a Kenny Omega kind of match. You think of Kenny Omega as like your traditional straight-up wrestling guy who does wrestling matches, does long, long wrestling matches, and Moxley's the guy who... Uh, gets the plunder out and does some crazy stuff and whatnot. So I think if you're going to a style match, Moxley has to be the favorite. And uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I understand what you're saying. And yeah, I think the reason they do it is because they don't want guys to take uh, a loss on the win loss record. And uh, that does feel like a cop out a little bit, but uh, at the same time, I, I would also say that these guys could probably survive a loss on the win-loss record. Yeah, I think they can. I think if you build up a match big enough and you deliver, that it can be okay for a guy to lose. You know, it's again, it's not necessarily about the result. We talk about all the time, like you know, Swerve Scott lost to Dijakovic tonight. That was a hell of a little match. He didn't look like a bitch when he lost. Yep. it's all how you present it and how you present the person that loses. If they have a really good match, like Dakota Kai came across as a great baby face. She just came up short again because she's not ruthless like Shayna, which is also why she ended up not in the War Games match because she decided not to go Sandman like Mia Yim. Yep. So, it, again, it's a presentation thing. So, hey, I'm going Moxley and you're going Moxley as well, Steve? Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, I got to stick with my fellow Bengals fan. Come on, now. You, uh, it's, it's been, been a rough, rough year. Say, it's been a rough year. Yeah. So, uh, and that leads us to the AEW Championship match: Champion Chris Jericho versus Cody. Um, I think at the beginning there were a lot of concerns they were making Jericho the first champion from a perception thing, and oh, it's an old WWE guy, blah 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 blah. But as you mentioned, it might have been disastrous for Paige. And the thing is, Jericho's been really great so far. He's the youngest AEW champion. Youngest AEW champion. Don't right. forget that. Um, but the other thing with him, too, is what I find amazing with Jericho, and this is not like a knock on him, but it's like this deep into his career, and I talked about this with Jeremy, he's in that Ric Flair place to where people don't want to boo him because they respect him, they know everything he's done, and it's like we like Chris Jericho. But he's been able to draw legit heel heat here in 2019. And yep. that's a credit to him. That's a credit to the feud they're building. And that's a credit to Cody, who's come across as one of the biggest baby faces in wrestling. 
So they've pretty much done everything right here. And I know people are, you have those people that aren't sold on Cody and want to call him mid-card Cody and all that stuff, but Cody's been delivering as well. The stipulation here is not only that if Cody loses, he will never challenge for the championship again, but the match has a 60-minute time limit, and if they go to a draw, there will be judges like in the old Steamboat Flare final match. Judges. Judges. Now, do you have any guesses on who the judges might be? I have no clue. <laughs> I hope Soul Train Jones is one of the judges. Fair enough. That'd be great. That'd be good. For, um, Soul Train Jones and the Rock and Roll Express. Oh, uh, Ricky Morton's probably still in the hospital after that. Please, uh, bump Ricky stage, just probably so. did a little bump and he was fine. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Fired up. You think they'd fly? You think they'd fly Dave out to do it? <laughs> I'm sure. Could you imagine? Yeah, I was gonna could say. Can you imagine the fucking blow oh, up? That'd be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can get a legitimate and unbiased WWE reporter Ryan Satine to do it. <laughs> Is it? Is that? I did not. You know what? I didn't watch the show. I didn't. Either. And I have no idea. Is that? How they I don't know. I think it's satin. All I know I mean, is apparently. I was gonna say for eighty-five years, I thought it was satin. I think I saw forever. somewhere that that show did under like fifty thousand fucking viewers though last night. Could you really? Be, I mean, what were they expecting? Well, they did over four hundred thousand for the first two non-announced shows. That was by the way, weren't there after like big sporting events, right? I don't know, but still you would I think they were after like uh base there's one after baseball. Like yeah, a but you would game. think though that after all the hype on T V and the promotion they've done on Fox that they would do a little more than fifty thousand. I didn't expect it to uh, do gangbusters, but come on, that's that's bad. Yeah, and I know part of the, I guess part of the issue was that they were gonna hype this major announcement that probably would have kicked the the viewership up about 5,000 viewers or so. So that was going to be, I guess it's going to be Brock switching over the raw, but they, they moved that up. So you're saying Randy Orton resigning is not a big announcement. No, I'm saying oh, okay. that. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm, I'm saying it. I'm, Could I'm saying it be it. that the uh, news coming out earlier in the day that there was no chance CM Punk was going to be on the show affected the viewership? Yeah, I mean, I think I do think CM Punk probably got some more viewers. To be honest with you, I probably been more interested to see what's going on. So, well, anyway, at least check out YouTube yeah. or something. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't bother with it now. No. So, ba- Ryan Satine does not move the meter for me. <laughs> so, no offense to Ryan Satine, but he just doesn't. All right, so back to this match. I yeah. am absolutely <laughs> fucking terrified that they're either going to heavily tease going sixty or actually go sixty minutes. <laughs> yeah, which is honestly the last thing they probably need to do. With with all due respect to both guys, that's really the last thing they need Jericho to do. Jericho is no offense. Jericho is in no condition to go sixty minutes. Well, are you saying that bubbly exercise plan isn't working out for him? I I think his win loss record would tell you otherwise. Okay, yeah, but all of his <laughs> matches have been under thirty minutes, Steve. He's not. He doesn't need to be going sixty minutes. And I think Cody doesn't need to be going long either. I think he can go 60, but I don't think he needs to by any means. I just, I'm hoping it's a red herring like when they did the Joe and Punk series and did the time limit draws and then did the big, there's going to be no time limit for this last match. And then they went like 25 minutes just to fuck with everybody. Well, you know, back at WrestleWar 89 when they had the judges with the, 
what is it? it was, well, Terry Funk obviously was one of the judges. Uh, I think it's Luthez and Pat O'Connor were there too. They didn't go sixty. They just had the judges out there just in case. I think it's going to be something like that. I hope so. Probably get probably get three three of their friends a payday. Get Soul Train Jones a payday by God. That's right. Old meat sauce. Joe Janela's father, man. That's right. So. So I think one thing to consider in here is not only the stipulation of Cody can never challenge for the title again if he loses, but the yeah. other thing I think we have to take into consideration is Chris Jericho is facing Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom on January 5th. I yep. don't think yeah, they're, that they're, he's going to go in. Yeah. I think he's losing that match. He's not going to lo- want to lose if he's the champion, and AEW is not going to want to lose if he's the champion. No, they're not going. And that. you know they are—they're obviously not going to want Tanahashi to beat their champion when they have no chance of doing a return match and getting the win back on AEW TV or pay per view. Which they want. That's no chance. Yeah, because they're not going to be working together. So now, granted, there is time before Wrestle Kingdom, and you could pull a title switch on TV. But I'm kind of leading to after Cody did the big announcement and the Wrestle Kingdom thing being factored in, I think Cody may take the win here, Steve. You know, I, I hope so. I, you know, you know, I'm a big Cody guy, and uh, you know, I, you hear. I guess you hear the mid card stuff and whatnot, and blah blah blah. But to me, as far as people on AEW go so far, does anybody stand out on this show as a star more than Cody right now? No. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna take Tony Sly's tweet here, right here. I'll just read this kind of. I'll just read word for word because that's kind of how I feel about it. I don't give a fuck what Cody's management role is. He is presented as a star, exudes star power, conducts himself as a star, performs as a star, and the fans react accordingly. And then he adds, of course, maybe Seth Rollins should take notes, and maybe he should. But uh, that's that's the deal here. I mean, whether he's the man, whether he's management, whether he's the booker, like he's Eddie Graham or Cowboy Bill Watts or Dusty Rhodes. Um, the fans, uh, the fans chant, you deserve it. I mean, people buy into Cody as a top guy in this promotion. It's working out. So, if it's me, I'd pick Cody over. I mean, and the and certainly the New Japan stuff will play into it as well because I know the last thing I'd want is my champion heading over to heading over there and losing Tanahashi, and it, it wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be a good time for him. Yeah, so I'm I'm leaning towards Cody. I think that's good, and um. You know, like at first I was thinking, you know, they're obviously, they keep, they've lightened it up recently because obviously MJF made the save, but I'm still, I am still waiting for that to play out with the MJF angle and the eventual heel turn on his best friend. Cody. I think he's right. You can drag that out. Though. Oh yeah. I, I would drag that out for as long, as long as possible. There's no reason to do it now. Yeah. You got, you got to guess, guess even more introduced to the, the man who is the salt of the earth and just a, just a fantastic human being, MJF. I still, lo- I don't know why people think you turn on Cody, to be honest with you. I still love the one week when they were doing the big brawl and MJF came out and he had the chair and everybody thought he was turning. <laughs> they were waiting for it and then he made the big save and it was like, you know, it was like, that's so great because everybody knows it's coming. And it's going to come eventually, but like you said, there's no reason to rush it. You gotta wait for that perfect moment because when it happens, that motherfucker is gonna be like the most hated man in the world. Yeah, that would be. I, I'd put that around the time where Cody lo- would lose a title, yeah. not around the time where Cody's challenging for a title. I agree. 
So, um, but yeah, definitely. I think the match, as long as they do not go ungodly long, has a chance to be really good because Cody's been really good. He's over. Jericho's over. Jericho, if they can work a shorter time frame to his strengths, he's good in that setting. So, again, could be a good match, but I think uh, Moxley and Omega likely steals the show. Now, here's a random question I just thought of that completely makes no sense. Now, if uh, Jericho was to go 60 in the Dome with Tanahashi, how many stars would that get? Uh, probably, like, two. <laughs> <laughs> and that's with the Dome bump. Is that adding the stars? <laughs> that's with the Dome bump, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. The, the, first of all, Jericho has no business going thir- 60. Second of all, Tanahashi's not really in a great place to go 60 either. I mean, yeah. he's still really good, but he's obviously slowed down. And yeah, I, I don't need to see the ace trying to go 60. Uh, not even for comedic value? No, because it wouldn't be funny. It'd be sad. Hmm. Now, it'd be funny if it was somebody else, right? You, you could probably find a, a parent for Jericho to try to go 60 where it'd be funny. I mean, in theory, sure. Like Triple H? Uh, no. <laughs> he would tear both quads. Let's not give Triple H ideas for next year's WrestleMania. 60 Met Broadway. I'm still absolutely shocked <laughs> that Triple H and Undertaker did not work the Saudi show. Did you, well, I mean... Triple H probably knew something was up. It's just... That's why he was hanging out in the NXT. Which is like him, Hunter and uh, Taker have been working those shows for those big, luxurious paydays. So I just yeah, I just assumed they'd be on that show. So that kind of leads into the theory that maybe Vince knew that something was going to be up. Yeah. And he's maybe told Hunter, maybe told Taker, yeah, maybe you guys want to set this one out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a fist fight with the fucking Prince, okay? He, yeah. owes me, he owes me some uh, some scratch, so we're going to fucking do that. Although, if you plan on having the fist fight, he might take an Undertaker. With, well, maybe not now. Not in 2019. Back in the day, he would take an Undertaker. He would have taken Shane with him, because Shane is the best pure striker in the history of WWE. That's a fair point. Was Shane in Saudi Arabia? So. <laughs> Shane knew, too. Hey, something's up. So, by the way, real quick, and obviously I know you don't follow like New Japan deeply. I know you like pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. The uh, the two night Wrestle Kingdom this year, Steve. Do yeah. you think if that's a success, Jeremy and I've talked about this. Do you think that that may end up as a blueprint for WWE, especially with NXT now being promoted as much more of a main roster thing? Do you think in the future we could see the two night WrestleMania deal? It should. It should, honestly. They should have done that a while back because, I mean, what's our biggest complaint about WrestleMania been the last couple it's of years? It's eight fucking it's, hours it, long, and it feels like it's shitty at the end. You add in fucking, you add in 12 hours if you include the pre-show. Seriously. <laughs> it ends at 1 a.m., and you can't get home if you go to the show because <laughs> the rail system doesn't work that late, so you're kind of screwed. So it absolutely should. Do I think it will? I mean... I mean, people seem to think that, well, WrestleMania should be one day because it's like the one big gate. And I kind of think that, couldn't they get two big gates for WrestleMania if they book it right? That's the thing. Okay. If you just look at what you have right now, instead of doing a takeover, you do WrestleMania Saturday night, you do WrestleMania Sunday night. First of all, you have a WWE champion and a Universal champion. So you have two main events already for one show apiece. 
You have the N- and you got like four or five legends. You can kind of spread them. Yeah, out you too. got legends that can appear, but you have the NXT Championship, which could co-main event one of those shows. On another show, like I would put that on a show, and then maybe like the U.S. title underneath it, and then one of the tag titles. Then on the other show, you can do the North American title, you can do the IC title, you can do two of the tag titles. Plus, we still have you have three women's titles and plus the tag titles, so you can evenly split them over two shows. I mean, you're already like six, seven matches deep, and that's not even counting very legends and stuff. Yep. You could e- not counting legends, not counting other random. Right. You nonsense. could easily do two big gates, two nights, two four-hour shows, which I'm sure everybody would enjoy a lot more than one eight-hour show. When everybody says, "Why can't WrestleMania be awesome like Takeover the night before?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you fold those takeover matches into WrestleMania, there you go. So, bam. I definitely think that. I don't think it's like a certainty, but I think if Wrestle Kingdom is a financial success on two nights this year, which it's looking like it's going to be, because they've sold a good amount of tickets already. They're selling a ton of international tickets. I was going to ask. Uh, I was going to ask how that was looking. Like, if it looked like it's going to be a success. Yeah, or and not. It, I think they're they're definitely going to get a bump now because you've confirmed Jericho, which he's been a proven ticket mover over in Japan. Yeah. Uh, you've added that. You have the you have the it's the uh, weekend of the Liger retirement matches. Uh, they've confirmed that they're doing the double title match scenario. Uh, you have Will Osprey and Hiromu official for the one night now. Because Hiromu's back, so it's like you got a lot of stuff yeah. going on. So I, I definitely think if it is proven a success, I think I think Vince looks at that and goes, "What the fuck? We're WWE. We're the bigger company. We can outdo that." Damn right. And then he's like, "Why don't we do three nights?" Oh, fuck, dude. <laughs> okay, we don't need to do that. But, but seriously, I, I really think if you focused on doing two WrestleManias, two four-hour shows. And because there's so many fucking people that go that weekend. Plus, the other thing is, if you're doing two manias and instead of a mania and a takeover, you're going to nuke a bunch of indies because yep. that that second mania is going to cause a bunch of people to go, well, do I go to my three or four favorite indie shows or do I catch both nights of mania? And most people pick both nights WrestleMania. I mean, I think there's a good chance of that. So, I mean, I think there's a possibility. So, it'll be interesting to see what's going on. I definitely think it's something they should explore because they honestly don't do themselves any favor with that god-awful eight-hour fucking runtime. They have to. And yeah, they have to be aware of that, too. Well, you would, you would think, think so, Steve, but... Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so, but my hope is that they see the light and do it because I think that they... It's WWE. They fucking know how to promote and everything. I think they would make it a financial success. And it's just, I think it makes more sense. Plus, you don't have to have any bullshit on the shows either, then. You could have all the... Oh, uh, there, there, there would still be bullshit. I said you don't have to have it. I didn't say there <laughs> wouldn't be. Totally different. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you wouldn't have to have any bullshit. You could do a legend thing or two, but you could fucking have all those titles between WWE and NXT defended... And the thing is, too, is like, I'm not, you're even kind of forgetting, dude. You can even mix in some of the NXT UK stuff. You mm-hmm. can have the big fucking yeah. daddy, Volter, defending his title. Sure. You know, I mean, you could do a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they do it or even if they consider it. I think they should. And um, I think that's going to wrap us up for tonight, Steve. 
I mean, yeah, I'd be shocked if they hadn't talked about it at some point. It's probably, I'm sure it's been discussed. And they probably might be keeping an eye on New Japan to see how that goes. I, I think that they should. I think if you see them doing it and it's financially viable and a success like that. Because, again, it's Vince. He's 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 got to be thinking that if they can do it, he can do it better. That's right. So, But, Steve, I want to thank you, my friend. appreciate you joining me again on the show tonight. Yes, it was a good time talking about the talking about the good wrestling here on Wednesday nights. It's uh, like we said, it's the best night of wrestling every single week. It really is. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank everybody for subscribing. This is the four one one on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the four one one mania dot com website. Please make sure to subscribe and share it to the show. Share the show around to me, excuse me, and uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Tell your mom, tell your sister, tell your cats and dogs if they have mobile devices. Anybody can download. We don't discriminate. And have a good week, everybody. I'll talk to you this weekend.